Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Billie Jean King, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Yeah, that was actual Billie Jean King introducing our podcast. I can't quite get my head around that, um, other than to say listening to Billie Jean's interview with Catherine a few days ago was probably the highlight of the eight and a half years of the tennis podcast to date for me and uh and i was nowhere near the show at all um but it was just a joy to listen to and a privilege and a pleasure to have her as our guest we can't thank her enough for her time which as you'll hear over the course of this podcast uh lasted even longer than that interview um it was uh, it was quite an experience for Catherine, who's here hello Catherine. hello david you're right it- Yes, I'm fine. You, you, you'd think, I, I feel, I worry that expectations are going to be high of me in this podcast to reflect upon and digest uh, that experience of speaking to Billie Jean King for for so long. But I'm, I'm still in a slight, slight state of shock and awe about it. I'm not sure I've still yet fully processed it. So I might, no. might be relying on you both for, yeah. um, for considerable support here. You've not been able to listen back to it, have you? Because it's just, you know, you're, I mean, I've listened to it six times and I'm not <laughs> exaggerating. No, I haven't because I, I want, you know, in, in my head, it's this sort of wonderful, perfect experience. And I know if I listen back to it, all I will hear is the things that I should have asked or wish I'd asked or wish I'd said differently. Um, yeah, which is probably really narcissistic of me, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to preserve. I will. I will listen back to it because it's it's important. You know, I, there's so much meat in there. Um, it, you know, I'm going to sort of constantly remind myself throughout the course of my career. I think of of the things she said, but I just need a little bit more distance <laughs> before I'm able to to um, to properly properly listen listen back mm. to it. You have though, haven't you, Matt? Yes, I have. And while I haven't had such a such a profound experience as Catherine, I I also am a bit lost for words at just the whole the whole idea that Billie Jean King listens to the podcast and I haven't been able to process that. So I may not be much use either because I, I haven't oh, great. I haven't got over that yet. I have not stopped freaking out since since learning that. We're we're running out of gifts, 
aren't we? Yes. We uh, we went really fainting. Yeah, we went really early with the Elmo fainting (laughs) gif, and uh, and now it's kind of like there is no gif superlative available to us for how we feel Mm. about the various responses of Billie Jean King to the to the podcast. Well, the good news is that Billie Jean the dog has taken this all in a stride and is still in Catherine's uh, house or flat and uh, has escaped from the pen. The pen is now irrelevant uh, because she can just get out of it anytime she fancies. Um, but she's she's absolutely having the whale of a time uh, at the moment because we're doing a show about Billie Jean King and so she gets her name mentioned a lot and is just chuffed to be... She thinks the centre of attention turns out not. She's in a permanent state of chuffed. Uh, it's difficult to know what to attribute that to. Yet the pen is now, well, it's Alcatraz. It is a <laughs> defunct prison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah which I is mean, ta- she, she, taking up she, most of my living room and just sat there laughing at me. How old Ten, is she now? She's 11 weeks Right, so in 11 weeks, folks, here's a little a little bit of a summation of Billie Jean the dog's life so far. Get born, eventually get to Catherine's house, um, get stuck in the pen, find your way out of it in about half an hour and make it irrelevant. <laughs> End up being on BBC News uh, a couple of days ago when Catherine and I were, were asked to talk about uh, Australian players, uh, the Australian Open and their quarantining of players. Um, and in the first 15 seconds of the interview... Billie Jean popped up from uh, Catherine's lap and uh, and was yes. referenced by the presenter. Yes, she needs an agent, David. <laughs> I know, just look, the person. looking to take on more clients. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's um, it, my favourite thing of the, of the whole Billie Jean King interview, and it lasted nearly three hours. Was the moment that Billie Jean met Billie Jean. That that bit was excellent. That was a favourite mo- favourite moment of my life. <laughs> I mean, it'll, it'll be good going if that gets topped. Yeah. yeah. And just that she, I, I thought the whole experience, I thought she would be really nice about it and polite, but I didn't expect her to, I mean, maybe I'm just seeing what I want to see. Oh, no, but, you um, can't fake the joy that was on her face. <laughs> Yeah. Tell no, me I, more about the joy, Matt. It was, Describe it in more detail. It was overwhelming joy when you brought Billie Jean into the room. We actually had a, we got to see a video, didn't we, of this of yeah. this call that Catherine had. So we 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 saw the the facial expression when Billie Jean met Billie Jean, and uh, the first thing she did was grab her phone to take what is now my favorite screenshot of all time and uh billy jean king taking a picture of billy jean and Catherine sitting there with the biggest smile on her face it is yeah it is epic which we are putting on our instagram today if you'd like to have a look at it and and then if all of that wasn't enough uh last night we got told and by the way our kickstarter as we come to you now is about eight hours from closing and thank you to everybody once again for for your incredible support um if you do want to get a shout out or a, an intro on the show or whatever else we offer on our kickstart gonna kickstarter you've got until eight o'clock uh uk time uh, this evening on thursday what's that three in the afternoon in on the east coast of the states um midday uh noon on the west coast Go and have a look at our Kickstarter back as if you can. And thanks if you already have. Now, what was I saying? Yes, Billie Jean King got in touch yesterday, she and uh, Alana Kloss, her, her partner, to, to let us know 
that they would like to sponsor Billie Jean the dog for yeah, our th- podcast. This, this was a bridge too far for, for me <laughs> last night. I actually had to have a lie down. <laughs> I mean, Catherine actually couldn't talk, which is very, very funny. Uh, so, thankfully, that was last night, um, and you can talk now. So, let's talk. Can we talk now? You all right? Sure. Yeah, I can try. We've exhausted the realms of um, animals sponsoring humans, so we're now into the realms of <laughs> humans sponsoring animals. Yeah. No, that was amazing. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now, I mean, the interview itself, one of the reasons we're, we're, we're doing this is because there was just so much to that interview. And and I think what gets me is how much I didn't know and how much I have not looked up over the years and, and how ashamed listening to Billie Jean talk made me feel about my perceptions of various points of the game and understanding of the history and where things started and how 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 we got to where we are um and that i feel really enriched listening to it as a result of that um and you know I, i'm curious as to to how you both felt listening to it did it it changed my perception of a number of things i think i will talk about the game in a slightly different way as a result of of the things she had to say about how equal prize money came about and and the professional game versus majors which were amateur um i just i just not thought of it in those terms before really yes we all need to be using a lot more asterisks yes (laughs) yes um sorry roger sorry nova (laughs) yeah um Goodness, yeah. I mean, where to start? Ab- absolutely, it's it's completely. Uh, I mean, I, I felt I felt the same as you. There, were, as you, there were a number of instances where I, I, I wanted to admit to my my embarrassing gaps in knowledge in order for her to fill them, but I equally felt felt ashamed to to admit to them, especially um, in in the face of somebody making such a compelling case for the importance of knowing your history and i've i've heard i've heard clips of her saying that before i've heard mary sort of challenge ch- channeling billie jean king saying about the importance of knowing your history you can't know where you're going if you if you don't know your history but actually hearing it there's something about i mean there's something about hearing anything from the woman herself she's such a force of nature such a She's like a box of matches, just sparking all the time. Um, it just it just sweeps you up and takes you there, and and you feel. I feel this sense of uh, urgency when I'm listening to her. Sort of previously, I've always been I've always been sold on the argument of 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 the importance of knowing your history, and obviously over the course of the past year as a podcast, we've been we've we've been so enriched and taken on the journey of tennis's history but i felt this sense of urgency after speaking to her and while i was speaking to her of, of oh my goodness i've got to you know i i um i got on amazon straight away after the interview and i ordered a couple of couple of books about um you know i ordered althea gibson's autobiography and and um one other as well i can't remember um, and that's what she that's what she instills in you it's not just this really profound sensible logical important messaging but it's also the delivery of it that 
makes you feel sort of compelled and spellbound to to do something about it. Yeah, and I think it's because she connects that history to the modern game. She, she makes the history not feel like history. She makes it feel so relevant and important now, the way she traced the story of the original nine to what the WTA is today, the way she traced the story of Althea Gibson's influence on the game today. And yeah, it, it forces you to think differently about the things we talk about every day in tennis at the moment. Um, and it's also it's also the way she leads by example, if you like. She, she decided, it probably wasn't a conscious thought, but it came to her while she was playing, that she was taking up the mantle and carrying the torch. And she's still doing that now. So, you know, you can kind of follow her example, both in terms of what she does and in terms of the words she says. Uh, she makes everything relevant to today. And it's, it's, it's lucky that tennis still has Billie Jean King, who is, who is doing that. Um, and I'm just overwhelmed by her desire to make tennis as good as it can be to make the world as good as it can be but just thinking in terms of tennis the the love the enthusiasm she has for the game is is infectious and it does it does leave you with a feeling that you want to be better and be more educated and just be more like Billie Jean King if you like um it's 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 very difficult to do that but I think (laughs) her energy and her stories kind of make you feel that way Mm. you almost forget about her career because of the impact she's had so much elsewhere uh, on society on the way we look at life the way we the the value system really that you you could almost forget you could overlook just what an incredible tennis playing career she had and when you you put in the uh the newsletter that we sent out the day after matt you you got that that Wimbledon line about the number of titles she has won. And she was playing singles, doubles, mixed, and achieving in all of them. And doing this over, what, 20-odd years? I mean, this this is... this. You know, we talk about how long players are playing today, and she was doing that back then, in the 60s, 70s, even into the early 80s. And she still found time for all of this. And, and as we now know... Basically, her career was was in her mind secondary in terms of achievements versus everything else she wanted to to achieve. I mean, what was that? What was that stat in the newsletter, Matt? Just 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 remind us of that. So the stat was that Billie Jean King shares the record for the most titles won at Wimbledon all time. She has twenty, I believe. Six of those are in singles. 10 are in women's doubles and four in mixed doubles. And it was a record she held on her own for quite a long time. And then I think in 2003, it was Martina Navratilova equaled the record by by winning the mixed doubles with uh, Leander Pays. Just an extraordinary record. I think only Margaret Court and Martina Navratilova have more Grand Slam titles Altogether in in the history of tennis, Billie Jean King has got thirty nine. Loads of asterisks in that <laughs> sentence I just said. I probably should be saying majors. Oh, there's, all, there's all sorts of points we can pick up on what I just said. Um, but yeah, you're right, and it kind of reminded me of. I heard Naomi Osaka say last year that she wants to be remembered not as a tennis player. 
She wants her influence to go beyond tennis. And when you're as good at tennis as Naomi Osaka is, and that's that's what you've chosen to do in life, it's incredibly difficult to be remembered for something other than that. And yet Billie Jean King is an, is an example of someone who has managed that. I thought that was an extraordinary line she gave, how she wouldn't trade anything in her life for just a few more major titles. Um, her, her, her sphere of influence is so much greater than just tennis. And... Um, she was encouraged by uh, Naomi Osaka in many ways. And I, I should think Osaka sees Billie Jean King as as such a guiding light. I almost thought when I asked uh, Billie Jean about Osaka and uh, I mentioned Coco Goff as, as well, I was, and again, maybe I'm slightly seeing what I want to see or, or over-interpreting, but I, 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 I was surprised by the extent of the relief that she expressed you know i could imagine that she would feel feel relief but you know it has been an awful long time since anybody's looked likely to or look like they even have the desire to take up any kind of billy jean king style mantle you know people have perceived perceived it as a as a as a burden that they that they don't want is something that would compromise their their playing career um and I, I i don't know maybe i'm am i over interpreting i i i felt like when i asked her about naomi you know, i was expecting her to gush about osaka of, of course and and she did um but this sense of relief finally there's yeah. some somebody that i feel like i can trust yeah with this, I, I, with this baton. I definitely felt that i, I for both of them, uh, and, and probably other players too. I think that she, you know, we, we've talked about in the past about the um, the NFL player Colin Kaepernick and mm. the reaction that he endured when he took a stand, um, and and how different things are in terms of at least the reaction to that now. Um, but I but I sensed definitely. I st- I, f- I felt Billie Jean King was was looking at these two. Uh, with 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 a with a real sense of relief and and hope, you know the 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 when you when you were talking about, I mean, the, the, one of the things that amused me throughout was was getting ticked off by her, right? <laughs> but, but basically yeah. just getting mildly bollocked by Billie Jean King yeah. for the podcast that she's now discovered that she didn't know about until you know a few months ago has now gone back. She, by the way, listeners, she's gone back to episode one. <laughs> and started listening. I uh, recoiled when David told me that. <laughs> um, and, uh, all, all, and all of the pride that I felt at having done this interview with her just sort of died a horrible, shriveling death inside me. She said she very much enjoyed all the of Carlos those three Moore hours. Interview. I thought oh, I got off the I got off the Zoom chair and I thought you you did all right there, Catherine. You, you 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 know you didn't look like too much of an idiot. And then I find out she's gone back and listened to episode one. Which you can do too. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen to episode two with Gaston Gaudio. I'm so uh, (laughs) delighted about that. Um, But anyway, as as, uh, you know, she she said uh, she told us how irritating it is when we and other media talk about tennis without remembering the past and um, and I I, I personally loved all that. Uh, I think that that's and and you know. I take it on the chin, absolutely one hundred percent, and it's it's definitely made me 
go back and think and want to read up on all of this. Um, and D- David's you know. going to talk about the past even more now, yeah. and he's going to use Billie Jean King as a as a validator <laughs> for that. Absolutely, and and also now I I realised that just talking about the nineties is not Billie sufficient. Jean. Billie Jean. Billie Jean. No. Come on. <laughs> Where's she gone? No. Come on, what's this? What's this? Play with this. Good girl. Good girl. Yeah. Good girl. Come on, Billie Jean. Ripped apart the bag full of Christmas decorations. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Yes. Um, and Catherine has had to have a new charger for her computer sent to her this week as well because uh, Billie Jean, the dog, decided to eat her way through the mm-hmm. cable of that. Um, which was uh, most You're going enjoyable. For tiny little teeth. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't plugged in, was it? Because <laughs> that could have been a bit perilous. Um, I, I think. Um, I think probably the most of all the things that I was most surprised by was was the the tone that she was explaining to us she'd learned to talk in. Uh, when she was trying to have influence, when she was trying to get things done there was such a conscious understanding that she can't just go in there and demand it and just batter away. She'd got to be very tactical and and think about her delivery at all times in order to, to keep people with her and, and be able to incrementally make the changes she wanted to make. I, I found that absolutely fascinating because... Um, you know that must that must kind of rail against what you've got inside when you when you're that desperate for change and yet you've realised you've got to handle it in a certain way or you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, I think on a personal level, if I had to pick one thing that I I want to to learn from her, it, it would be it would be that it would be the the grace and the wisdom to to walk that tightrope. To tailor to tailor your arguments for the audience for maximum impact. It's a very pragmatic approach, um, and I'm I'm far more idealistic and naive, I suppose, in in my approach to sort of wanting to change things. Um, and it, yeah, it. it 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 blows my mind the extent extent to which she's been able to walk that tightrope over the years and the fact that it hasn't beaten her down and eaten away at her you know that recognition of how much of the truth the world is ready for at any given moment how much change people are prepared to accept the judgment of that you know and she she told that st- story about the uh, that interviewer asking her whether she was a feminist in that split second she had to to consider her answer and she judged it she judged it perfectly she she just had this awareness of what the world was what the world was ready for um but <laughs> yeah i get that and i can completely acknowledge the that you know in terms of in terms of achieving your ends she is absolutely the best approach but when I try and do that it eats away at me you know I I I have to go somewhere and vent (laughs) um whereas for her it seems not to she's she's there's not there's not an ounce of cynicism or bitterness in her at all there's just this knowing glint in her eye of okay I've had to you haven't you haven't all been ready for the whole truth this whole time but I've always known 
And I've always known that we would we would reach this point eventually. Not that we're at destination or anything, but certainly reach a point where someone like her can look back and marvel at the uh, the progress that's that's been achieved. And and yet she still comes up with right now. What can we do? Let's, yeah. <laughs> how can we change that? And I mean the the fact that they've named the Billie Jean King Cup. Uh, formerly the Fed Cup, after her. And and that is not enough for her. That Just having her name on that is, yeah, that's that's great. Right, what can we do with that? The idea of a rookie school, what a great idea. I mean, when I was at the ATP, they had, and they still have, to some degree, the ATP University. But it makes me realise that the that uh, session, which, which when I attended was... 98, 99, somewhere around there. Um, Roger Federer attended it in 99. Um, loads of players like Sebastian Grosjean and um, Honor Clement were, were at those sessions. But it was all about your finances or handling the media and all of those sort of things. There wasn't the history lesson that she's talking about, which... I just think if you got someone like her, or and there are so many others. I mean, we've had we have the the pleasure of getting to speak to to so many different people that have achieved great things in the sport and had experiences for tennis relived. And and I just think that if you got the right people in the right setting, you would have players just lapping it up. Quite honestly, they'd just be they'd be listening without a murmur, really. And I think there would there would be great value to that. Oh, gosh. I mean, the day any tennis player turns pro, they should be put yeah. on the phone with Billie Jean, Billie Jean King, or at least, you know, played some sort of recorded message by Billie Jean King. Maybe, maybe that would take a lot of, lot of time out of her calendar. Just give them our podcast. I, I, say, I could think of <laughs> yeah. an interview they could listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, uh, well, I mean, they, they have a mentorship on the WTA, don't they? I'm not exactly sure how that runs and, and whether it, whether it still runs. So we'll have to find that out. But, but um, you know, I'm quite sure um, that is the way to go. Meanwhile, Billie Jean the dog has just been <laughs> causing utter chaos in the Whitaker household. What, what's going there's, on there? You know, there's too many cables involved in podcasting. That is what I've learned <laughs> Over the past few weeks, um, yeah, she's trying to chew them and sort of do some kind of uh, hurdling with them as well. It's it's. <laughs> oh, she's settled down on my feet now. Oh, great! Quick, okay, so we can Qu- yeah, qu- quick, quick, record the rest of the podcast. <laughs> let's be all poignant and important um, and sensible. Um, yes, Matt. Sorry, you were going to say. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that point about being aware of not losing her audience that is that is something that we talked about with Arthur Ashe how he got some criticism for not being outspoken enough at the start of his career and I'm I'm currently working my way through Barack Obama's book and that's something he talks about when he ascended to the presidency of not alienating people just just getting that just right and to think that Billie Jean King has had been doing that for 50 years is is totally remarkable mm. by the way uh, I saw the Martina Navratilova versus Jimmy Connors match to which she refers I saw that live in 1992 uh, very much in the middle of the lost law years <laughs> hence why I was able to get up in the middle of the night and watch it when I was supposed to be uh, asleep ready to go to school the next day or college or whatever it was didn't do that um but i watched that match live and 
uh, I, I found that fascinating at how stressed those two players were, uh, according to, to Billy Jean. And um, um, we were chatting to Mary Carrillo last night, who, who remembered the same, you know, that they they were so tight, you know, the, the, the whole situation. And she, she said she was commentating on, on that match. Um, so I must have heard that. Um, <laughs> but the, um, the experience of it is just a very small insight into what it must have been like 19 years earlier when 30,000 people were watching inside the Houston Astrodome. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine really what it would have been like. Um, but um, your call, Catherine, when you were when you were doing the interview, we, we, we'd been told that you could have an hour with Billie Jean King, which we were absolutely delighted by. We, you know, the thought of an hour in the company of Billie Jean King was just too much, too much to believe. We, we couldn't believe our luck. Um, so Catherine went on the line and uh, and said, "Right, I'm I'm going to do this. Uh, I'll I'll let you know how it went afterwards." And so Matt and me wait for an hour and uh and then an hour and a half and then i think we got to about an hour and 45 and i said matt she's um she's either run out of phone battery or uh or it's going well (laughs) (laughs) even better than we thought um and then at about the two and a quarter hour mark uh catherine messaged and said still going (laughs) um so what uh, you were on for at least another hour catherine uh, which we didn't hear on the podcast because we we chose the well the very best of it uh, what went on in the other hour oh crikey well there was another meeting with with billy jean uh she requested I, I had arranged for um uh, my brother math who's who's co-parenting uh billy jean canine uh to be here to 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 puppy sit um so that um, interludes like those that you've heard on this podcast uh, didn't didn't take place on on that one, um, and she she demanded that that math be introduced to her with Billie Jean, um, and uh, she gave both math and I some career advice, <laughs> which was sensational. What was yours? Um, she was just she was. She's just so curious about everything, you know. Why should she give two hoots about me or, you know, my career or my future? Um, she said, can you write? You could write a book. And I was like, well, no one's going to read my book, Billie Jean. You write a book. If, she is, if, she if, is if anyone here is doing book writing, <laughs> it's definitely you. And, and, and her, but when is her book coming out again? It's later this year, isn't it? I think it? she said yeah. September. Yeah. yeah. Imagine that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, and and I know a, a, an autobiography of hers already um, exists, but I I believe it's you know it, I don't know the full story with that one, but it, it not necessarily an authentic her authentic voice. I think this one is is going to be the definitive autobiography. Um, and wow, I can't wait for that. So yeah, if you're going to buy anyone's book, I'd probably probably go for billy jeans over my yet to be written book <laughs> uh, she said math should uh, be in broadcasting um, yeah this is your brother isn't it she, yes. she, he, she heard a few words from him and she said oh he should be a broadcaster <laughs> <Yeah>. as well <laughs> and he sort of recoiled and he said oh no no <laughs> one in the family is enough <laughs> yeah um she was she was asking me questions about my parents um 
what they did. You know, so many questions about the podcast. So curious about the podcast, about our origins, about how we found Matt, about how we fund the thing. Um, answer, people give us money to sponsor animals. Billie Jean. <laughs> it, <laughs> wasn't, it wasn't a hint, but uh, it was obviously taken as one. Um, that curiosity and that you can you can see her mind sparking and that feverish appetite for the world and what it has to offer you follow just, her anywhere wouldn't you you, yeah. you when she starts talking like that i i end up thinking right let's just do it all <laughs> yeah this sounds yeah. amazing and life goal watch a cricket match with billy jean king <laughs> yes imagine how good that would be Yes, and, and have Catherine sitting alongside her to to explain why a draw over five days is so good. Did did that make the cut? If the people yes. heard that, it did. Yep. Right? Oh goodness, <laughs> that was the best bit. <laughs> <laughs> she believed me, though, didn't she? I worry. <laughs> I, I mean, I said it can be the most exciting outcome. I mean, obviously there are some terminally boring cricket draws, and I hope you know if she does sample one she gets a good one rather than a do bad one and doesn't do you think i can think... get her interested in the albion i've sold her i think you can get her interested in anything david don't mention uh, allardyce no you've got a good success rate with tennis players and getting them interested mm. in west brom yeah uh billy jean just so that you know that's west bromwich albion a football team that are not very good that i happen to be in love with and i have no <laughs> other no other option but to love them they're kind of like a family member who I don't like very much. Um, so, uh, yes, no, her, her appetite for life and, and everything is just uh, just truly infectious. Um, Mary it described was, it as um, it's like flying a kite, speaking to her, sort of goes off in all different directions, but it makes you feel like you can fly. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. 
That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So we, we very much intend to do, as discussed in the interview, a show in the future about the original nine. I think it's, um, it's something we would love to. I mean, I think we've, we've covered it to a degree, but there's, there's so much more to unpack and, and storytell about it and, and others as well that, we, uh, that you covered in the course of that, that interview. And, and it's been one of the great thrills of the last 12 months to be able to go back into history. And it's, it, it's kind of like the relief that we needed certainly i think um in such a difficult time when normal tennis life was not there for us to talk about to be able to go back and and discover the past and and it and in that way it's really been a blessing to me because i feel so much more connected to the sport as a result of it and i feel like we're only just getting started in that regard and this this interview has made me realize that yeah as did the long list for Australian Open relived, oh, the, the ones stuff, that we're not doing. <laughs> the uh, the stuff that's been left on the cutting room floor for the Australian not Open Not on the cutting room series. floor, David, in the queue. In the queue. Oh, I mean, yeah. there must be 20 shows there that we're not doing, and I'm gutted about all of them. <laughs> However, uh, I'm so thrilled with the ones that we are doing, and they will all start on Monday of next week. We're going to be putting out four shows for you next week. This is before the Australian Open draws made. Uh, so we're doing four shows, all of them Australian Open relived. Um, the schedule might change, but here's the provisional plan, which is on Monday we're going to be telling the story of Yvonne Gulagon corley who had such a huge impact on the sport and in so many different ways and we really want to tell her story and we've been speaking to some some great voices uh, that have played the sport that played against her that followed her commentated on her um, and just you know really try to understand because we weren't around I mean I, I was seven years old when she won her final Wimbledon and um and so but we've we, the, there's great video footage out there so we're, we're, we're going to watch it all we're going to um go over her career and and bring it to you as best we possibly can in Australian Open Relived on Monday um on Tuesday we're going to be going back to 1988 and the move from Kuyong uh, in Melbourne to what was then known as Flinders Park. Now, of course, Melbourne Park, the the relocation of the tournament venue and for what many people regard as it's becoming a true major title, a true Grand Slam, an equal or ultimately with the other three. And to tell that story and explain what happened and actually also we'll be talking about the the two finals either side of the move uh, both of which featured pat cash and pat cash is somebody we'll be speaking to for australian open relief because i've already done it and it was bloody great <laughs> i wondered if that name drop was going to plop in there yes <laughs> yeah that one i mean not to spoil all the material we've got on tuesday but what I found fascinating researching that is I, I expected the story to be the move and, and that impact. But actually, that tournament, the 1988 Australian Open, you could do a, just the show, even if it hadn't moved. It would be it's, it's an epic tournament with so many storylines in itself. So it's kind of two shows in one, I think, the impact of the move and also the amazing matches that took place at that tournament. It's really great. 
Right, we're doing that as well. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so that'll all be on Tuesday. Uh, later in the week, we're going to be covering the 1995 Australian Open and in particular the the day that Pete Sampras showed us another side to himself uh, amidst such difficult times in his personal life and, and, uh, and he cried on court and that was 1995 and we're going to be covering that story um, on Thursday uh, of next week and then we will finalise our Tennis Relived series for the Australian Open with 2017. And where on earth do you start with 2017? Because an awful lot happened uh, over the course of that fortnight. We're just going to close our eyes, all three of us together, wiggle our noses and pretend it's January 2017. Although that was the dawn of the Trump era, wasn't it? The inauguration took place during that tournament. Well, we've come so. full circle. <laughs> Swings and roundabouts, yeah. Yeah. So here we are, uh, about to relive it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the tennis bit. It's okay, um, we, we can... We, we, it's safe to do it now, I think, because we, yeah. we can look back from... From the land of hope and dreams. Indeed. Uh, thereafter, we will be previewing the Australian Open. We'll have the draw to talk about because that's going to be taking place uh, late next week. I think that's about Thursday, isn't it? Somewhere around there. I'm not exactly sure. Oh, no, it's the week it's after. It's the week isn't after. It? Because it's, yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, we've got. Oh, I'm getting Steady confused on, David. with all this. All this stuff's getting me confused. <laughs> there, we've got the Gippsland Trophy the, to come. The, the Gippsland Trophy Cup. Yeah, that's, that. that's the week after Australian Open relived, of course. And, the, and then um, we've got the Oz the, Open draw and all that. The Crocodile Dundee <laughs> Open or something. Indeed. By um, the way, somebody make that happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen Crocodile Dundee? Yep. Have I seen I, Crocodile Dundee? Somebody slagged it off on, on social media the other day and I was absolutely fuming. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, as with most things sort of from the 80s, it, it in terms of sort of its portrayal of race and so on it's not aged brilliantly um but if no. you can sus- suspend your criticism of that which some people won't be able to and that's completely valid they are sensational films <laughs> well, the first i would actually is. make a case that crocodile dundee 2 is better than crocodile dundee 1 no oh, I'd say they're at about? least i'd say they're at least equals we're in Greece too ter- territory yeah. again here. Time is a flat no. circle. No, we're not because Crocodile and D2, D2 featured the same cast, David. Greece right. 2 did not. It's like putting yeah, Speed 2 in the conversation. Didn't have Crocodile Keanu Dundee Reeves in. featured, that's not a knife. That's a knife. <laughs> yes, it did. Have you seen it, Matt? I have, yes. I haven't seen Crocodile Dundee 2, though. Oh, Matt. Not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely urge people away from Crocodile Dundee three, which, <laughs> it, it, which is the Grease two of the franchise. It was made some years later, right? When everybody, I think, had run out of money. How do we get onto this? Mm. Uh, so yeah, the Crocodile Dundee Open that isn't taking place, um, but the ATB Cup is, and they've done all the draws for that. All that's coming up, their nose in it, uh, and various other tournaments. There's about five tournaments that week, uh, aren't there? So we'll be we'll be doing a preview show of that. We'll be doing a review show of that. We'll be doing the draw preview for the Australian Open. Ah. Oh. So many tennis podcasts coming up. This is excellent. Um, and uh, and I can't wait. And who knows how many emergency pods in between? Well, if things happen, you know, 
what seems to have happened lately is uh, loads and loads of tennis players have been doing lots and lots of interviews to try to reassure everybody that they're that they're absolutely playing along and not causing any trouble yes yes they're, you know, they're extremely grateful <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know fair play to them i think that's uh, that's the right way to go but, um yulia putintseva has still got a mouse in her room yeah really she moved room and there was another mouse <laughs> so, i quite enjoyed the the uh the authorities appealing to the players not to feed the mice in the hotel oh christ is that a thing <laughs> yeah it was it was it was one of the lead articles on the bbc sport page <laughs> it's on the bbc news if i'm a player i'm saying don't have any mice then <laughs> who's anyway. feeding the mice why would that be a thing what <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point um so yeah we got loads and loads of tennis podcasts to come maybe we've got an emergency mouse one on the horizon who knows i just got i can't tell you what's coming next because i really don't know other than on monday we'll be going back in time to tennis relived um and uh, yeah we also just would like to uh, say our hellos to rogue the cat in my case who's my sponsor Catherine zeus zeus the zeus. king of the gods and also on behalf of the uh, lovely little lump of fur that's on my feet, hello to Billie Jean King. <laughs> Can you believe we get to say that? Amazing. <laughs> uh, Matt? Uh, to Scousel Mousel, yes. Hey, good old Scousel Mousel. Uh, to Chris Albert Lee, our executive producer and also known as Top Bloke. Um, and uh, have we got shout-outs, Matt? We do, yes. Splendid. For Ruth Summerfield... Oh, hello, Ruth. Ruth. My That's best nice childhood name, friend was called Ruth. Ruth Noble. Yeah. Albion used to have a striker called Kevin Summerfield. He wasn't very good. I bet Ruth would be better. Can we have, can we have Ruth instead? <laughs> <laughs> Matt? Uh, to Carolyn Backer, number 46. Hey, Ooh. Carolyn. Carolyn. Thank it, you. Got in there has quickly. Has she got that tattooed about her person? <laughs> Is that... I think we should make that a thing, shouldn't we? If if you don't give well, your surname, you have to get a tattoo of your number. <laughs> yes, yes. Alex those did are the rules. Style. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Carolyn. And to David Kalina, who I I think I might have met, David. Oh, Ooh. right. Hmm. Well, hello, David. Why are you Good unsure name. about that, Matt? Because you've well, met a lot of Davids. No, I mean, the moment I'm thinking of was a very fleeting moment at Roland Garros in 2019. And... Uh, I'm pretty sure David Kalina introduced himself to me as a big tennis podcast fan. Um, but I'm now doubting myself whether I've got the name correct. So anyway. He he gets mobbed so often, folks. <laughs> yeah, that it all does It all blurs into one. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, um, the person I'm thinking of, I'm pretty sure, is David Kalina and was very nice indeed. So great. thank you. Yeah, and, and thank you to everybody who, who has backed us for this year. Catherine, you got something else to say? Well, I was just going to say, to sort of round off the Billie Jean King chat, are we are we going to call them majors rather than Grand Slams? Oh Where do we stand on that? Are we going to introduce the asterisks as, as in our discussion? And are we going to adjust the tone of our... Serena chasing Margaret Court's record chat. Okay. I've been prepared for a while to stop the 24 chat. Stop altogether. Certainly recognise that Serena has the record. Mm. 
um, I think the lines become blurred because the lay tennis fan doesn't know the tennis history and therefore 24 is the number. So you, you kind of do still have to mention it. Um, asterisks, totally. Um, I've been I've been guilty in the past, for sure, of just looking at the Grand Slam numbers today and thinking that that's the be-all and end-all. I think I've got better at that. It's it's partly, I suppose, a consequence of asterisks don't don't fit very well on a social media graphic, or they don't mm. fit very well on telly. It, it it is quite hard to to fully explain that in a short soundbite, which is kind of what the coverage so often is at the moment. Um, but I mean, Billie Jean King herself said she thinks. Federer, Nadal and Djokovic are the three greatest male players of all time. She said that in that interview. But you also need to recognise that Rod Laver missed 20 slams. Uh, it doesn't doesn't detract from what Federer, Nadal and Djokovic are doing. You just need to talk about it. Um, and in terms of majors and slams, this is the one... This is the one I'm struggling with. This is where Matt goes head-to-head with <laughs> Billie Jean King. Yeah, this is... Yeah. Go on, Matt. <laughs> I mean, as much as I squirmed and tried to say majors in our podcast last week, I was, I was, I was trying to make an effort, break a habit, but I, but I have thought about it, and I, I really do think it's okay to, to say slams and to say grand slams. Um, languages change. You're saying me- Billy Jean King, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not saying that. <laughs> Um, I think you can recognise the history and where majors came and Grand Slam, what it used to mean, but languages change, meanings of words change. Um, you know, we, if we describe Federer's tennis now as awful, everyone would think we were talking about Federer's tennis being really bad. But awful used to mean inspiring awe, full of awe. And it's quite difficult for one person to... Uh, assign meaning to a word uh, a, a word's meaning is a uh, is social and i think where we are now people have come to understand that grand slams slams majors they all basically mean the same thing and the and the context helps you determine what you're talking about if you need to add in a word you say calendar grand slam or career grand slam like like you would say funny ha ha or funny peculiar you just add that little bit of extra context and Kind of everyone knows what you mean. Um, well, that's her told. I, I, I don't know. I just don't think it's betraying tennis's history um, in the same in the same way that it is betraying tennis's history if you ignore the fact that Billie Jean King was establishing the tour rather than playing slams or majors. Yeah, they're different things. Really, I think so. I've, I've always and, and, used them and, and, interchangeably. But but being aware, at least, that there is an alternative mm. understanding of what that used to mean and what it, in some regards, still does mean. I think I think both can be true. Are we all guilty of of whatever we want to call them placing too much emphasis on on majors as opposed to to tour events? To well, talking about look, records and greatness only in terms of majors. Now, in the landscape we have now, I think not. I think that there is such a disparity mm. between the four major titles, the Grand Slam tournaments, and those below, 
And that's not to denigrate the ones below. I just feel like the four have elevated themselves to such a degree that they are the most important tournaments now. But the history lesson that we were given in that interview to just explain the priorities of and and even just to get to where we are now i found so interesting and and it it gives me pause for thought now uh, when i do talk about them just have that in my mind so that you can give a little bit of context when you're explaining what you're saying mm. um I, I i really i just found it so valuable yeah i, I totally agree with david's take on that and and actually i'm going to i'm going to check myself and i'm going to say I said earlier, Serena has the record. Well, even that you could debate because Chris Evert, Martin Navratilova weren't playing the same number of slams mm. as as Serena was. Um, so even even just a kind of reductive phrase like that, I, I need to try and get out of the habit of saying. I think. Mm. And, and, you know, that's why, I mean, it's not something I spoke to Pat about yesterday, but he's always railed against these kind of conversations. When so, when people like me have tried to corner him as, into a who is the greatest conversation, he hates it. Mm. He hates it. And he's not trying to be difficult. It's just that he has such respect for his fellow Aussies from back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And, and he, he just he is aware of the context in a way that, when I just flippantly ask these questions, I'm not, and I'm not giving him space with which to answer and provide the context. So it just angers, I think. Mm. Um, it's it's another, in terms of tour versus slams or majors as well, it's, it's another example of kind of how much more selfish tennis has become and how much more, how, how much more selfish tennis players and individualistic tennis players are able to be. In terms of, you know, I remember when I was speaking to, to Chris Evert about this, Chris Evert and Martina Navratilova in their rivalry had such an awareness that they were responsible for building the tour, for mm. building tour events and, and how, how crucial and essential they were to those. They needed to play the events in order for the events to be a success. And they, they were conscious of that when making their decisions about where and what to play. It wasn't just, I need to peek at the slams, I will play whatever events enable me to, to have the most chance of winning that slam, that slam, that slam. Um, and and that is, that there is very, I, I see very little evidence of that now. And obviously the tour, the women's tour doesn't need building in the same way, but it, you know, it, an awareness of of that bigger picture would uh, would certainly not go not go amiss I don't think and Billie Jean King talked about the original nine as a team didn't she mm. um, which is just something that doesn't happen now um, just wouldn't happen players seeing themselves as a as a team in the same way that they did I'm falling down a I'm falling down a rabbit hole um, again but just just quickly it was great when I when I I, I asked her asked her what do you put that down to that sort of that really selfish individualistic attitude that that most tennis players and hey it's probably athletes in general I don't want to just lay into tennis players for it have now and I was expecting a sort of oh you know a a slightly diplomatic answer and she just went oh agents (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I really I I loved the the description of the original nine as a team and and I just got a little flavor of that from Victoria Azarenka when she posted mm. to her fellow players this week yeah, on true. social media and wrote in a way that I thought, good for you. Mm. You know, she's she's getting it. 
Yeah, a grown-up has entered the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Just picking up on the word team, that was another big theme of yes of the interview was Billie Jean King's love of team events and that made me think in a slightly different way as well. We've we've often talked about almost there being too many team events at the moment and I th- I think there is definitely some validity in that in terms of too many similar team events but I love that idea of a team event season. I mean, really fantasizing here, but US Open be the end point of the sort of individual single season and then just give me a team season with all sorts of different events. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. And then you could accommodate, you know, the ATP Cup and Davis Mm. Cup and, and... Hotman Cup, which there's been talk about this week coming coming back on the calendar in 2022 in in perhaps a slightly different form. Yeah, I'm so here for team team season. And actually, I'd like to, I'd quite like in the future to do a relived about world team tennis because mm. it, it, there was so much more to it than I ever realised. And when we heard from Chris Evert about how she didn't play Roland Garros because of that i just want to know about it i want to know and i want to know what went wrong at times and then it made a comeback etc etc so we've got lots to get our teeth into here it's great isn't it yeah it is and we still i mean uh, yeah so, so i need to go back and listen to that interview again don't i yeah do yeah and, and everybody just feel, here you know go and listen to it all right if you haven't already and if you have listen to it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes. Billie Jean and I will sit here in this one chair that I've got um, because it turns out it takes them 12 weeks to make sofas. Who knew? Um, (laughs) And we will sit and listen to her namesake talk and it will be great. And we will be back on Monday with another edition of the Tennis Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And a final thank you to everybody who has backed us for 2021. When we started the the latest Kickstarter campaign. We really didn't know what to expect at all. We 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 knew that people had appreciated our efforts over the last year without tennis to produce and continue producing the show. But yeah, I mean, it's it makes me quite emotional just thinking about the reaction we've had. And uh, we can't thank you enough. We will not let you down. We are coming your way as often and as well as we can in 2021. And we'll speak to you soon. 